you know, the dependency on technology and now being very much in this world. And I feel very connected to, yep. to tech and to all of these things. Whereas I know friends, I have friends who might even be younger than me by a couple of years in this generation have a completely different relationship to technology and don't consider themselves tech savvy and don't like technology, you know, and go as far as calling them Luddites. <laughs> but yeah. so this is where I'm like, Hmm, no, I kind of don't feel fully connected to this generation, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I feel like you were so close to Gen Y that that overlapping of like those two different feelings, I think makes a lot of sense. I can see that. But you said something at the beginning, you said, I don't consider myself a millennial. And I'm like, I could not identify as a millennial. That seems like a label that I wouldn't ascribe to myself. Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico to be exact, and we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. I'm Kate. And I'm Nicole, and welcome back to another Candid Conversation with us. Each week, we bring you a new conversation about a topic that we can relate to. We share our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Hey, Nicole. You're awake. I'm awake now. Dancing, dancing. Dancing in my seat, waving my hands (laughs) up in the air. An hour ago, I was not this awake. (laughs) You had your coffee. We've already got one discussion on the recorder for today. Mm-hmm. I think we I think our friends know that we record two episodes every time we jump on. So this is number two for today. <laughs> Nicole's a little warmed up now. <laughs> I especially needed warming up this morning. I had set my alarm, like I said in the previous convo, set my alarm for much later than I would normally get up. And it threw me off a little bit, but... That first conversation, and boy, did we dive into a philosophical, heavy conversation. Oh, biggie. Yeah. A lot of out there ideas in that one. And by out there, I mean not super easy to grasp. <laughs> as you do. as But you do. we tried. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm one of those people, though, having said that, even though this morning, you know, I was a little bit off, I do feel I wake up pretty quickly. I think I've shared this with you. Omar's the opposite. Like, I can't ask him any deep and meaningful questions as soon as he's he's awake because he's just not awake. Whereas I feel like I can handle some of the bigger questions. I don't know how well I handle them, but I feel like, no, I'm there. I'm present. I'm ready. I think I, I, think I learned this about you and Omar during our travels in Japan. Because when the four of us were traveling together, it was always like, okay, let's meet up for breakfast at this time because that will give us enough space. And I remember actually being at breakfast one morning and (laughs) I was sitting across from Omar. I asked him a question. He's just like staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm sorry, I can't answer any questions yet. (laughs) And he got up and went to go get like coffee or something. Extra coffee. I think that's when he told you, he's like, guys, I just, I have to just confess something to you. It takes me a while to be fully awake. (laughs) 
which is like, it's so fun learning different things like that about people because knowing Omar the way I had up until that point in time, until we traveled together, I would have never thought that he was slow to wake up because he's always got like so much energy and pizzazz and he's always in the conversation. He's always got something to add. So yeah, it's fun learning that kind of stuff about people. Are you a person who's like fully awake in the morning? I felt like you were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you are. I'm I'm pretty ready. Like when I open my eyes, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, today's topic is not super related, but I don't know. Maybe we'll find a way to tie it back to this at some point throughout. (laughs) Today's topic is all about different generations and whether or not you identify with your own generation. So we're going to be talking about some of the assumptions we make about different generations and the differences between generations. So think Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y, Uh, baby boomers, we're going to get into all of it. And Nicole, this topic was actually inspired by a session at the co-working space that you go to. And that session was about Gen Z, which you said, those are the youngsters, (laughs) which is very true, right? They are the youngsters. I used to, I don't know about you, but I used to always be very confused as to what the labels and who was what year was what generation I've found oh, yeah. myself googling it so many times and I feel like in preparation for this conversation I can now confidently identify the different generations but what I'm thinking we can get to in this conversation is that those labels are one thing but how you feel and whether you do identify with the label that's been given to your generation, I think that's going to be interesting. But just to answer your question, yes, at the co-working space, there's all these different events uh, that take place. And it was one evening, there was one dedicated to Gen Z. So they're the youngsters. They're the, the most recently labeled, I suppose, the last labeled generation for the time being. And the topic was around going all in. So this is a startup space. And the question uh, was around, should should you go all in? When do you go all in on maybe an idea, a business? Because they're known, as we'll talk about one of our articles that we pulled up, they're known as the kind of hustle generation. They've got at least two and a half jobs, apparently. Oh my gosh, so many interesting facts came up from reading through that. And like you said, just kind of going in and looking at the different definitions, the timeframes that each generation is kind of assigned, if you will. And I'm just noticing this now. I might prove myself wrong by the end of this, but it seems like back to the first generation that we're going to chat about, which is referred to as the silent generation. This is anyone born from 1925 to 1945. That That's probably the biggest gap or not gap. That's the biggest like chunk of years. Because oh. like Gen Z was just 1997 to 2010. That's only 13 years. All right. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. So the generations are like getting smaller in their year gaps. Or the differences apparently with these. Yeah. This is interesting. I had not noticed that. Good. I just uh, noticed it right now. 
That, this is why I'm excited to talk about this, because I've thought about generations several times. And to your point, I've always kind of gotten them like a little bit mixed up. So we're definitely going to be giving all the definitions today. Don't you guys worry. <laughs> and uh, also talking about just kind of maybe some of, like you said, those assumptions, those labels, uh, the things that we identify generations by and whether or not we relate to our own or maybe we kind of, you know how you hear people say sometimes like, I was definitely born, you know, in another generation. Yes. Like they see themselves as, you know, have, would have been perfect in, you know, the 1940s or mm. whatever. Or ahead of their time, maybe. That's yes, another way. Yeah, much better than what I've no. just come up with. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the silent generation. Again, born 1925 to 1945. I see you have here sometimes it's listed as 1925 to 1942. But that's kind of interesting because if they did list it that way, the boomers don't start until 1946. So what happens to the people born 43 to 45? <laughs> right. I'd be curious to know who actually defines these. Like, mm. who, who are they? <laughs> There's always that, you know, elusive they that yes. sets a rule, a definition, a label, and you're like, who is that person or who is that <laughs> body of people? But I had to look up this generation because I've always heard about the baby boomers and then the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, but I was like, when I looked at the years of the baby boomers, which, you know, according to our notes here, start around 1946, my parents were born in 1942. So I was like, mm. I don't know what the generation before that is called. So we looked it up and we found that it's called the silent generation. And so my mom and dad were of this generation. That's pretty wild to think yeah. of like how many. So that's one to two generations back. I don't know. You just kind of think that like your parents are the generation behind you, right? But in my case, I'm considered a Gen X. Right. Between so, so that's two. Two generations. So my parents weren't baby boomers. Technically, they were the generation before. Another good point. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought so, of. So my parents did just squeak into the baby boomers because they were late in the late 40s. So just barely baby boomers. So quite mm -hmm. close to your parents, really. But do you feel like that your parents... I, when I think about my parents belonging to this silent generation... When we ask the question, like, do you identify, if I were to ask the question on their behalf, my dad's not here anymore, but if I were to ask the question on their behalf, I would say they they were more like the baby boomers than the silent generation. Yeah, definitely. I would say the same about, like, my parents are in the right generation. I definitely mm -hmm. see them as baby boomers. So actually, I don't even think I know, Nicole, what is like a quick description of the silent generation? Like, how are they characterized? Yeah, the silent generation are those, as we said, born 1925 to 1945 or 1942. And they're labeled that because they were raised during a period of war and economic depression. Mm. So that's where that label comes from. Yeah. I mean, I guess going that far back to like, have you talked to your, did, I, I know that your dad has passed, your mom's still here. Mm -hmm. Did you ever talk to them about like their childhood and that experience? 
Well, yeah. So this made sense to me, and and, and that's the reason why I googled it and wanted to to see what is the generation before that, because that is very much a clear marking of that generation. My mum and mm-hmm. dad did talk to me about uh, World War II because that it's not like they actually experienced it. But if you imagine you're born just right after the end of World War II, you're going to have a lot of the scars, the experiences, people who went through it. So I would hear them uh, talk about uh, food rationing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my grandparents bringing that up a lot. Like I, we would talk to my, especially my mom's parents who were first generation from Sweden and Norway. And they talked about like my mom's dad who we called Papa was here when he was like five years old, did not speak English. His parents did not speak English, had to like teach himself everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he would talk a lot about like the rationing and, you know, you never leave food on the table. A, a lot of those, you know, wartime depression things. And those have an impact. So when I think about some of my own values, my upbringing, some of the ideas that I have and that I hold on to. A lot of that is marked by the things that my parents experienced. And so, for example, not wasting food, that clearly Mm. is a marker of a generation that there was food shortages. So you don't sit there and and leave food on your plate. I'm not hungry or I don't eat that. I'm going to be fussy. No, 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 no. If there's food, you eat it. Because you yeah. don't know when you, when your next meal is going to be. So that that's pretty heavy stuff. But I guess it makes sense why we do have like these, yeah, markers of these different generations that are marked by these experiences. So, mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to the silent generation because they went through a lot. A lot. And I kind of feel like the baby boomers did too. I mean, I can't even imagine growing up during that period. So the baby boomers born 1946 to 1964. And according to the article that I got this from, we'll link up to the resources that we have in the description of this episode. The boomers were named after their parents came home from World War II and the American population exploded. Uh, I'd imagine that this happened in a lot of countries, though. This was obviously probably an American publication. But baby boomers defied their parents, protested the Vietnam War, and created the Summer of Love. (laughs) And I've grown up hearing about the Summer of Love so many times it's the, and that's why I just like, I can't imagine my parents fitting into any other generation because they talk so much about these concepts. What was the summer of love? It's just oh like my wood, goodness. Woodstock, just the and, hippie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. Music, free love, smoking pot, <laughs> like all this. <laughs> I guess it's the first time I've heard it put that way. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So Maybe they would- that's an American thing. Maybe, or I could have missed the memo at some point. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> So these are definitely like all assumptions and markers that I have for baby boomers. Uh, in addition to, you know, I think it goes without saying that because this generation didn't grow up in any of the tech internet 
times that maybe they're not the most tech savvy. I also think about like those very early TV commercials for like the TV dinners, you know, the actual like frozen little meals that you take out and put in the microwave and have at, at you know, while you're watching television, kind of like an old school mentality, resistant to change. Uh, what are some of the things that you kind of think of when you think of the baby boomers? Well, I think about the role of women. So you've we've got mm. here in our notes, you know, during that time, and obviously the generation before probably would have been similar, that the woman's role was very much in the home. And this is funny when I reflect about my mum, for example, she belongs to the silent generation on paper, but technically I'd say she's more, you know, of a baby boomer. But when it came to like her association with, you know, gender roles, she was very much not a typical like she she would have subscribed to the cooking and cleaning and all the domestic duties that women felt at that time very much, you know, was their role and duty. But I know for a fact she didn't want that. She didn't want that for herself. She, you know, started working. She resented a lot of a lot of those uh, gender roles. And mm. one of the stories, are, and it's kind of really sad if I think about it, but she was taken out of uh, school early and sent to do those, um, you know, home economics, like learn to sew. Uh-huh. Learn. And I know she's told me this on multiple occasions that she really resented that. Like she wanted to yeah. keep studying. She wanted to keep reading. She enjoyed reading. She enjoyed learning. But of course that time her mother made it a point to no you need to kind of fall in line and you need to learn these things that you know women need to learn and do so I would say if I'm if I'm going to you know speak for my mom I'd say she was definitely ahead of her generation ahead of her time yeah. yeah well it's interesting too because I think that idea of kind of like falling in line is another thing that I would probably assume or attribute to like the baby boomer Uh, generation is that, you know, they kind of like followed these set of rules without like asking too many questions. And of course, there's people who fall outside of that, like your mom. Mm -hmm. I was actually doing some research on the feminist movement, trying to figure out like, when did that actually really pick up or like gain traction? Mm -hmm. And I didn't spend too much time on it, but from the little bit that I read here and there, it really wasn't like until the 80s that Mm -hmm. that started picking up like a lot of, but that was kind of surprising to me because thinking like 1980s, I mean, when I think of the feminist movement and maybe I'm off a century, I think (laughs) of like Virginia Woolf and like this whole movement that was coming a hundred years prior to that. But I also kind of wonder, like, of course, different sources are skewed a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that seeing the feminist movement having maybe picked up in the 1980s would be much more a result of availability of like news and communications Mm. and people just feeling, I guess, more, I don't know that entitled is the right word, but just a little bit more braver with speaking out than Mm. they did in previous generations. I don't know if that makes sense, but anyways, 
I I think that the feminist movement and that whole like women's role is an interesting thing to consider throughout all of these generations because it seems so different in all of them. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So our parents, your parents are boomers. Yeah. And kind of, I mean, your parents are so close to it, right? And as you said, probably would relate to it a little bit more. Okay, next is Gen Gen X. And Gen X are those born 1965 to 1980. Again, I'll note, this is only a 15-year period that we're looking at now. So shorter. And that is my generation. Nicole's yeah. generation. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild to see the 60s in there. And it's like, oh. I know. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I'm like... I'm actually thinking that these generations are such a wide range to think that somebody born, say, in 1979 would be in the same generation as someone born in 65. It seems like a big gap. Yeah, especially when we think about I think when we think about the technological changes and all the changes that have happened in society. Yeah, maybe that's why the generations are getting shorter in terms of the years, Mm. because there is such massive change. Like if I think about, you know, don't want to go back to the silent generation, but I know that my mom talks about when she first saw a television Mm. and then Mm -hmm. she's living through now where there's a television in your pocket. (laughs) technically that's how she sees it with youtube on her phone so so wild right so yeah you're right like it seems you know if you're just looking at the numbers you think oh the 60s and someone born almost in the 80s you know 1980 there's such a, a gap or wide variety of experiences and exposures to whether it's technology ideas advancements that it's like, how can we be in the same generation? But that's what makes this conversation interesting. Yeah. So I thought so interesting when we talk about what spans that time. So Gen X lived through the AIDS epidemic, the MTV culture, which is so huge, right? And a shifting cultural landscape that gave rise to LGBTQ plus rights. Mm. So that's a lot of big things. Also, just like in all of these shifting societal values, Wiki talks about Gen Xers as the latchkey generation, which stems from them returning as children to an empty home and needing to use a door key due to reduced adult supervision compared to previous generations. And I mean, I remember going home and being home alone all the time And it's so funny to think that now, I mean, parents would be, I think a majority of parents anyways, would probably think that is so inappropriate to leave your child at home. Do you remember this as a kid? Did you spend a lot of time at home alone? You're right. When I think about how much time my brother and I spent at home alone, that's true. It's probably like, what? Yeah. Like playing on the street, playing outside with no supervision. Yeah, very different to, I think, what parents would consider appropriate now, right? Well, and I think that that also speaks a lot to those gender roles because this was largely a result, right, of women leaving the home and getting Mm -hmm. jobs and having two parents with full-time positions. And then that, of course, says a lot about the economy. Like, you kind of had to have two working parents to 
have this, you know, home and cars and have your kids in activities and pay for vacations and, and all these other things. It's kind of crazy when you look at it as a whole like that, how many influences there are on these societal changes or on these gender role changes throughout these time periods. It's like it became necessary. Well, in the 80s, I, I distinctly remember now that you met, you know, you bring up economic influences. We were going through a recession in the mm. 80s in Australia. I remember that really clearly. So that probably would have been the reason why mum for sure, probably of her generation, would have been more likely to stay home with the kids or would have thought her expectation the expectation on her would be to stay home with us while we're still too young to be, you know, fending for ourselves and all of that. But probably due to the economic, yeah, the recession at the time, that's when she would have gone to work and we would have been, I remember that she was, she was home and would pick us up when we were still in primary school. So elementary school, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. for sure, by the time we got to our first years in in high school, so grade seven for us is high school. um, So it would have been like 12, 13. We Mm -hmm. were definitely coming home to an empty home and waiting for mom and dad to come home later in the evening. And uh, then I think about like summertime too. I mean, summertime when we were out of school, like if we weren't, we would do camp sometimes, but camps are expensive. Like we weren't going to camp all summer, maybe like a couple weeks here and there, but think of how many weeks that leaves you with nothing. (laughs) I now just flashes back to so many afternoons and days, long days of TV, reading, playing outside, but yeah, totally unsupervised. (laughs) Car and I used to walk down to the bay all the time, you know, where my parents place is right on Crown Point. (laughs) And we would walk down to the bay. We'd spend the day at the bay, go home, make chocolate chip cookies. I'd be eating all the raw cookie dough. My parents would get home. They're like, what'd you guys do today? We're like, oh, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Made an entire batch of cookies and ate all of them, went to the bay, you know. (laughs) So I'm curious, this is is your generation. Do you identify with this generation? Like, does this kind of fall in line with what you do I identify with this generation I do and I don't and I think it comes down to so I all those things that you listed like the AIDS epidemic MTV all of that stuff I remember all of that so 100% yeah this was my you know this is how I grew up I grew up with all of that that stuff going on but where I think maybe there's um, some differences with this generation is the relationship with technology And the attitude towards technology. So what I think about is quite interesting with this generation, and I suppose we'll get to Gen Y, the next generation, is our experience of remembering a world without internet, remembering a world without, you know, the dependency on technology, and now being very much in this world. And I feel very connected to to tech and to all of these things. Whereas I know friends, I have friends who might even be younger than me by a couple of years in this generation have a completely different relationship to technology and don't consider themselves tech savvy and don't like technology. You know, I'd go as far as calling them Luddites. <laughs> but yeah. So this is where I'm like, hmm, no, I kind of don't feel fully connected to this generation, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I feel like you were so close to Gen Y that 
that overlapping of like those two different feelings, I think makes a lot of sense. I can see that. But you said something at the beginning, you said, I don't consider myself a millennial. And I'm like, I could not identify as a millennial. That seems like a label that I wouldn't ascribe to myself. And I think it might have to do with probably my parents being two generations behind. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, okay, so getting on to Gen Y, aka millennials, born 1981 to 1996. Your generation. I think my generation. Your, your generation. <laughs> but yes, I think it's just the term millennials because I think they've taken such a bad rap about... Oh my gosh, the list goes on and on and on. So I want to read a couple of the the descriptors in these one parents.com and one's Wikipedia Uh describing millennials as self-centered, entitled, be incredibly community oriented and environmentally conscious. I can see that Uh, across the globe. Young people have postponed marriage. Definitely agree with that. Millennials were born at a time of declining fertility rates around the world and having fewer children than their predecessors. Described as the first global generation, the first generation that grew up in the internet age, generally marked by elevated usage of and familiarity with the internet. I think what just really gets me is to me, and I've even referred to millennials in this way, is like that self-centered entitledness. I think entitlement is a big one. Uh And I like to think that that is not me. (laughs) And it's (laughs) such a label that has been given to millennials. Although, of course, like when we think about, like you said, the internet being a huge part of this, not only the internet, also cell phones, social media, millennials Mm. were kind of that generation living through 9-11 when we were at a pretty ripe age remembering when Amazon only sold books, like Amazon wasn't even a thing. (laughs) These are all things that are like such a huge part of our lives now to think that the same as like when you were saying about your parents thinking, oh my gosh, look at television. Imagine growing up without a television and then having a television. Same with the telephone, electricity. Like I know we're going back and back in time now, but I mean, these are just like such massive things that have defined our society in so many ways that to live without them and with them is, I don't know, it just, it makes it seem like it ha- this generation had to be a hundred year time span. <laughs> Where do you think that entitlement comes from? Is it because of the use of technology? Or do they feel like they're owed something? Or do you, well, okay, you don't identify, but where does this whole idea of millennials feeling a sense of entitlement come from? Because I've heard this. I think that it would probably have to do, you know, I found that the reason that I brought in that parents.com article that I'll link to in the description is that I thought it was really interesting to look at the generations and how they were influenced by how their parents raised them. Because you think of the generation, right, and the year that the kid was born, which is, of course, a huge influence, what was going on in the world at that time, all of that. But also of massive influence is how the parents are raising those kids. And if we look to the generation before, one of the 
attributes that Gen X parents were famous for. So Gen Gen X being like supposedly or potentially my parents, which Mm. it wasn't my parents were baby boomers, but Mm. they were the first to be considered like this helicopter parenting style. So boomers you know, let their kids stay outside, be at home by themselves, have all this freedom and autonomy. Whereas Gen X parents have a tendency to be far more involved in their children's social and educational development. This, this whole idea of the helicopter parenting style. I don't know. I just, I mean, I I I have have to believe that. Okay. What's your answer? Because I feel like I'm not getting to one, even though I feel like I am. (laughs) No, I think and this could vary because, of course, we've got – if we're talking about the whole world, the whole world has different experiences, whether it's, you know, conflict, war and all of that. I think it could be a sense of the years preceding the millennial, there was maybe in general more economic wealth and prosperity. Mm. And to your point, you I think you were onto something when you were talking about the, the generation that raises that next generation. What are their experiences? What are the stories they're telling? And so if I think about the stories that my parents were telling me, because there's two generations behind me, they're telling me stories of hardship, of economic struggle, of war, of famine, all these things that are really are shaping who they are and shaping me as Mm -hmm. I'm growing up and I'm then looking at, well, what do I have compared to what my parents had? You know, the classic Mm. story, like you should consider yourself so lucky. If only I had these things when I was a kid, that kind of story. I'm not saying they shoved that down my throat, but, and even if, even if they do or they don't, you're still influenced by that. And so perhaps a generation who in general, and of course, there's such a variety and wide spectrum here. We're not saying everyone's, every country experienced the economic wealth and whatever boom of the seven, late 70s and 80s. As I said, we went through a recession in Australia. But maybe if the parents, the generation before hasn't had the struggles, mm-hmm. then the next generation feels like they're this owed a lot. This should just be given to me. <laughs> this should yeah. be just a given. Yeah. It might be a very simplistic reduction of an answer, but I've, that's kind of where my, my thinking went. No, I, th- I think that there's definitely legs to that and it makes a lot of sense. And I also feel like you're probably right in saying that just our access, uh, millennials access to things like the internet, social media, having things at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Now everything's so easy, right? Right. So if I can get all of these things so easily, why are you telling me to work for them? Yes. Because there are so many ways for me to get it without working for it. Right. <laughs> and I do not personally relate to that at all. I feel like I'm a very hard worker. I don't take things for granted. I feel like my parents raised me with a really great perspective and I've continued to nurture that on my own. So yeah, of course, Not everyone falls into all of these categories. This is why we're having this conversation, right? To kind of bring up some of the assumptions and labels and and talk through them. So do I identify with my generation? Yes, I identify with Gen Y and a lot of what we've talked about. I just, if somebody asked me if I was a millennial, my answer would probably be no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, a bit of a sidebar, what I've heard uh, recently from a friend who is a millennial that this generation is 
skipping the uh, midlife crisis years or the years between 40 and 60 and they're jumping straight to living in a way that older people would live. So I'll give an example. So a lot of um, millennials have moved out of the cities. They might be living on a farm. They're into gardening and crocheting and all these things that you associate with doing later in life. And I I do, I have friends who've done this. And of course, if we think about the pandemic and a lot of city dwellers did leave and move out to, you know, for reduced cost and a cost of living. And so it's like, I mean, right now I'm like, I can't imagine gardening. Like who's got time for gardening? Who's got time for pulling out weeds? Like I could do that maybe when I'm 65, but there is this movement amongst millennials who've, does this resonate? Yeah, definitely. No, I I feel like there is a lot of influence in, you know, kind of you bring in the pandemic and everything and that maybe accelerated a lot of people's timelines on moving out of cities or doing certain things. But even before that, I do feel like there are these trends that kind of come and then they go and then they come Mm -hmm. again and they go. And we see it with our clothes. Like, you know, when's the last time you saw someone in overalls? And I don't know, like five years ago, they were just like all the rage, but I hadn't seen overalls since I was like three (laughs) or something, you know? (laughs) So it happens with clothes. I think it happens with hobbies. Um, Mm. Crocheting is something that only my grandmother did. But then all of a sudden, the like now I have friends who just love it. It's their favorite hobby ever. My goddaughter, who's like 18, 19, she's an amazing, she knits her all these tops and scarves. Yeah. And I just look at her, I'm like, wow. And she's sitting there on the couch come, like when I stayed at their place for a while. I've, I was like, I'm just observing her. She was just so chill and crocheting. And I'm like, we grew up with the image of a grandmother crocheting yeah that's what my grandma does (laughs) not an 18 year old or a 19 year old right right? which I think is pretty cool I mean I think it's awesome to see these things come back around and to see people getting into things like living off the grid and you know growing their own vegetables and food yeah totally I'm a fan (laughs) Okay, so that brings us to the most recent generation, Gen Z, which apparently is also known as iGen. I had never heard that before. Just the letter I, Gen. Uh, Born 1997 to 2010. Again, shorter time frame. We're only working with 13 years here. And they are described as the first to be born into a world where they know nothing else besides constantly being connected to one another but through phones, screens, tablets, you know, internet, social media, they don't know anything but that, which I think makes this such a fascinating generation. Not to mention, this is the generation that inspired this topic because this was what the presentation was on at the co working space, right? Yeah, exactly. And when this whole idea of this generation that the, the the sense that I got was this generation doesn't commit, there's maybe a little bit of that entitlement that's a carryover from the previous generation because there's so many things that are at your fingertips and come so easily compared mm-hmm. to previous generations. So then I, I was actually chatting to someone who's probably in my generation and we were kind of arguing the pros and cons of that idea of like committing like maybe they have they see it as 
well, I've got options, testing things out. I'm going to try different things compared to a generation where you chose a career or you chose some sort of life work and you decided to, you know, you would commit to that for 20, 30, basically your whole life until you retired. Got to make money. Right. We've got this generation that sees so many opportunities around there because they've got access to the internet and everything that that you know that offers so we were kind of arguing i was i was talking to this this guy not arguing we were debating like how does the development of like resilience and perseverance play into this this was very much in the startup space right i might be mm-hmm. going on a bit of a tangent here but in the sense that let's say you know gen z are very willing to try different things and not commit until they they find something that really works for them versus the attitude of I've got to make this work. I'm committing. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to stick this out and I'm not going to complain or I'm not going to think the grass is greener. I'm going to make it work. So Mm -hmm. yeah, this is, this is where that conversation was, was going that night. And, um, yeah, why yeah it goes it goes back to just like a, a plethora of options right like now there are so many different avenues that you can take and uh, an article that you shared was on referring to this generation as generation hustle mm-hmm. and there were so many interesting points in there about how uh, how many different jobs they hold and the number of side hustles that Gen Z Zers have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things, uh, a survey by Fiverr found that 67% of responding Gen Zers, now of course we have to take into consideration who's the pool here or what, mm-hmm. what is the responding Gen Zers equate to, but Still a pretty like staggering stat, 67% -hmm. freelance or planning to go freelance with one in five citing dissatisfaction with working a full-time job as motivation. Like I never remember there being any other option than a full-time job. (laughs) Right. They're making it your mission to get a full-time job. And if you're not in a full-time job, you're like thinking, how can I get a full-time job? That's what I've got to aim for. That's my goal. (laughs) This is where maybe there's a disconnect with that generation and the way we see it. But, um, and just thinking of again, going back to this generation, not knowing a world without the internet and social media and the implications of growing up with social media. I, I just sent like a funny meme to my girlfriend the other day and she replied back, thank God we didn't have social media when we were growing up. It's mind boggling to me to think about what it would have been like or how it would have changed growing up. And I mm. think about that now. It's like you don't get a choice per se, right? Right. I mean, you can choose as a, a Gen Zer that you're not going to be on social media, but that doesn't mean that everyone around you isn't on social media. Yeah. And yeah, gosh. Oh, there's a, yeah, there's a lot to think about here. Like, yeah, they have so many options, which is so great. And yet we of our generation, I often think about how, I am grateful that I knew a world without social, without the internet. And I'm like, why? Why do I think that? When, you know, this this article that we'll link up to, the the hustle generation, they have a lot of options. They feel quite um, liberated from the shackles of I've got to find 
a full-time job and I've I think there's a quote that says previous generations were sold the idea that if you found a good job and worked hard, you'd reap the rewards. They're like, well, we're not having any of that. That's complete Mm -hmm. BS. And you're like, well, that's, that's quite, you know, a big idea. It's quite freeing. It's quite liberating to, you know, we know that a lot of people were in unhappy jobs. A lot of people who did feel like they were trapped in a career. That's not necessarily the answer either, is it? So I think what I'm trying to get at is like, there's a lot of, you know, positives and you can see that, you know, their world is very different and has a lot of opportunity, but yeah, there is a downside to it. And I think maybe I go, we go back to like being grateful for not having that sense of entitlement because we knew a world where things were harder or I mean, no, that's not what I mean. It's not that things were harder, but it's just, it's perspective, right? Like Mm. across every generation, it's always like interesting to think, Well, I, there are a lot of things that I value about my parents' perspective because of Mm -hmm. what they went through, because Mm -hmm. of what they experienced growing up. And my grandparents, the same thing. My friends who are of different generations, the same thing. And that's how I, I feel about it myself personally is the perspective that I have, I feel is so much richer because I know two totally different things. I don't take for granted the internet because I remember not having it. And so, and that perspective goes across so many different things. It's not just the internet. It's not just social media, right? It's so many of our different life experiences, which I think is why this conversation is so interesting, especially because I think past conversations I've had about generations, I've probably just thought about my parents generation really mm-hmm. maybe right. the generation right behind me but to really look at like a bigger span of it has uh definitely given me more to think about more to consider and and brought up some new ideas so thanks for recommending this topic oh absolutely i really loved having this discussion no it's, it's fun i like the idea of not boxing ourselves in too. Mm. Because even Mm -hmm. when I think about Gen Z and their experience, digging into that article where they do talk about all the opportunities, not sticking to to one thing, not feeling like you have to go into that dead-end job or we can identify, we can relate to that. We left careers so that we could start our own businesses. So in a way, there's a bit of the Gen Z in us too in some ways, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting to talk to a baby boomer and see if they relate to any of those overlaps as well. Maybe for a revisit. Yes. Well, Nicole, I really enjoyed today's chat. And as we close out on different generations, we hope that you friends have picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you have a friend in mind who might also enjoy our chats, share the podcast with them too. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their Facebook favorite podcast app. Until next time.